you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Erin Young. Welcome, Erin. Thanks for having me. I am super excited for today. We're going to talk about something that is near and dear to my heart, which is how to simplify your business and talking about how you've had a lot of success doing so. But before we get started, there is people around the world who don't yet know who you are. Would you mind doing a little introduction and tell people how you ended up where you are today? Absolutely. I'm I'm Erin Young, and uh, I founded Slide UX, which is a user experience design and research consultancy um, in 2012 with uh, my business partner. It was really the extension of what I'd been doing previously, user experience design, information architecture. Um, but what I didn't expect is that it would grow like it did. It started out just the two of us, and we continued to grow uh, pretty much year over year. We're now a team of 25 um, based all around the United States, still doing user experience design and user experience research. Awesome. And uh, yeah, as I mentioned in the introduction, we will talk a lot about sort of niching down. I mean, I, I speak at a lot of conferences and this is one of the things I talk about both for brand new businesses, mostly because a lot of the time, you know, people are so desperate, like spreading their arms, trying to get all the business they can, whatever they do and, you know, what, whatever the humps they need to get over because they're desperate to get, you know, money in the bank, which makes sense. But one of the big things that I see again and again is the difficulty it gives businesses when they're not extremely specific, both in the offering, but also in the way they do business, right? So it's not just about picking a niche and say, you know, oh, we deal with real estate, but it's about picking a niche and picking one or a few very, very specific service offering that you're doing. And yeah, that's what you want to talk a little bit about, I guess. Um, but yeah, let me know, like, what, what, what have you guys been through? Where, where have you ended up? Right, right. Well, so, you know, for the first uh, eight or so years of operating the business, I would meet with a prospect, I would learn about their needs. And, you know, at first, with it just being me, I would put together a proposal for whatever made sense to me at that time. And as the team started to grow, you know, it was brought to my attention that, hey, we do some of the same things. Uh, time and time again, maybe we should standardize these things. So the way that we did that initially was with a playbook that had a bunch of the different services that we could provide, and they could be combined in different ways for different projects. Um, it seemed like we had checked the box of standardization, but there was still a lot of work involved with every single proposal. We had to piece together what we were going to do for that client um, and work out all of the little gotchas in their project plan in order to give them a proposal. So it could take days, it could take weeks to get a proposal out. And sometimes we would even lose business because of it. Not only that, but the teams that were executing this work had to really study each project plan to make sure that they were familiar with exactly what we had said we were going to do in that particular case. And it wasn't because they didn't know what we were doing. You know, they absolutely absolutely knew how to do these things, but it was because they were combined in different ways each time. So 
uh, once we started to distill our process into a consistent, you know, three phase, 12 step process, that's always done in the same order. My sales proposals were able to be delivered a whole lot faster. I could basically start talking to that prospective client upfront about what we were going to do for them. And my teams knew what to expect each time as well. So there were a whole lot less questions. So for us, this was a major breakthrough because I always thought that our custom project planning was the only way to do it and part of what clients really liked from us. But it turns out that those standard project plans that we're able to talk about from the very beginning had a lot more appeal than I ever would have imagined. I think that's super interesting, right? And many business owners suffer from this, right? A lot of the time, they one of the things I hear the most is like, oh, you know, people love our very customized service and, you know, uh, we do all this stuff for clients and we do SEO and social media and pay-per-click ads and we do all this stuff. And I'm, I'm always, the first thing I ask is, what are you really good at? All right, um, because at the challenge is the more you spread over, like again, if you have a company with 100 people, you can often manage to do a little bit more stuff, but it's not always the right thing to do. Like some of the, some of the biggest company on the planet, like Coca-Cola, they do one thing and they do it really, really well. Now they have a couple of Coca-Cola products now, but the whole thing is like, you don't always have to have a business with multiple services, right? You can do it in, in sort of a, a slim way, right? So I'm interested, like what, what was the process like for you guys? Like what, what actually took place when you were sort of looking at it and you're like, well, you know, let's try and cut this down. Like how, how did you actually do it? Well, it was a really cathartic process. I'll tell you that. So we had at one point considered using this software that was going to require us to upload a list of everything that we did so that people could select from that list when they were going to track their time and do other stuff. So we had used that master list um, for years to pull together different project proposals. So we had a list of everything that we did and it had a bunch of different sections in it for different service categories. So when it came time to simplify, I started with that list and I just started to look at each of the categories and think, okay, but how often, like how often is this what the client needs? And that was a really easy way to eliminate a ton of it. So I don't know how many lines originally existed in that spreadsheet, but I feel like we chopped about 75% of the rows just by asking, okay, but how often do we need to do that? And saying, we, if we don't need to do it very often, then we don't need to have a standard for it. And if we don't have a standard for it, then we don't need to sell it. And releasing all of those rarely used out of maintenance line items from that spreadsheet really kind of felt like, you know, letting a balloon go, you know, like we had been hoarding processes that we didn't really need to have and, and feeling guilty over the fact that they were probably not as well maintained as they should have been all along the way when we didn't need any of that stuff. Totally makes sense. And yeah, that, that sounds, sounds great. It sounds like a great process to go through. Um, it's, Similar, again, I, I always try and 
advise people to to really look at what they're doing and look at where they provide value because a lot of the time what i see what i feel with a lot of companies is that they focus more on what they think is fun instead of necessarily the things that actually create value for the customer right and I, I see so many companies nowadays providing all these sort of social media services of various kinds and every single time you ask some of these companies about roi they're always like well yeah maybe you know it takes time um and and for me like it's very difficult if you if you can't show people a clear ROI with the services you're providing in one way or another, you know, being able to sell it becomes so much more difficult. I'm not saying you can't do it, but for me, the whole thing is like, I'm not great at sales. My teams are, none of my businesses are great at sales per se, but um, we sell a lot as well, because again, our offerings are relatively simplified, right? And it it just, it puts them in a situation and puts a team in a situation where they're very comfortable. Like I have an outsourcing company where we recruit people and, you know, the recruitment process is very, very standardized every time. So that's, yeah, it, it works really well. So from, from your point of view, what stage do you need to get to before you go and do this? Like, is this something you can do from day one or what are your thoughts on that? Well, that's a great question. And, you know, I've only, I've only lived my own experience, but I can talk about some of the things that helped us that I think would need to be there uh, for you to be successful with this process. Um, For us, this was a really efficient transition because of the history that we had selling to clients and talking to them. I mean, as I went through and thought about our ideal process, I could hear my prospective clients react to what I was talking about positively or negatively because their voices live in my head. Um, If you're a new business, you're not going to have that same sensibility about what your clients or customers want and need, um, which doesn't mean that you can't do it. It just means that you would need to incorporate research, more research into your process to get there. I think, you know, it would be a really, um, it would be really great to have not wasted all the time that I likely wasted the eight years that we were doing things in a more complicated way. So I wish I could move back in time and simplify sooner. But I know that if I had tried to do it without the voice of the customer in my head, that um, I definitely could have made mistakes that would have created a lack of fit. So, um, you know, basically just if you if you want to do that early in the business, you've got to make sure that what you're niching into is a real need. Right. Yeah. Totally, totally agree. And that, that, that is typically how I do it as well. I think it's great to think about initially, like what your offering is, but like a lot of people start out and they're like, you know, okay, I'm a web developer. I'll build a website for anyone. And then what I always say when they've been running, like if they've had a hundred customers or whatever, I, I usually recommend them to, you know, sit down, look at who have your best customers been? Why would those, those the best customers? Can you replicate that easily? Now, the thing is, if you have some very good customers that, that there exist a lot of those kind of customers out there, right? And you feel that, that it's easy to replicate the service, then that is usually the, the route I take with people to, to go and do so, right? Because you're 100% correct in the beginning. Uh, I mean, you can niche down in the beginning and it, and it makes a lot of sense to do it, but you might not hit the right niche, right? You might not hit something that's 
great. And the, the benefit with sort of spreading out in the beginning and getting some experience with different types of clients and different kinds of solutions is the fact that you, you put yourself in a position where you know, you, you get some exposure to it and you have something to make decisions on when you're trying to niche down, right? Right. And, you know, I would, I would even go back to something that you said earlier, because one of the interesting things is that on the surface, our company would have seemed specialized before. Like we offer user experience design services. We offer them to product and marketing leaders, people who are shopping for this a lot of the time they're already like they're they're qualified you know this is not something that people tend to seek out um i mean they do so more today than they used to but a lot of times there's a good fit there however um even so it was the standardization of our processes so you know when you talk about like seo and pr and you know marketing and all of the the umbrella of services that can be offered. Um, I see that happen too. And I see people offer user experience as one of those add-ons to their very small firm. And I just think, how, you know, how could you offer all of these things and do them well? Um, But with that said, you know, even as a company that was specialized, that was only operating in this very specific niche for us, it was about our own process, you know, so it was not even so much about identifying the audience, which we did. And that was helpful. Um, but for us, it was just about simplifying and standardizing our offer that we're going to give that audience each time um, so that it was less complicated for us. Yeah, that, that's exactly where I go when, when I look at where you're providing the most value, right? Because again, the social media companies are trying and do all these different channels. And I'm like, where can you actually make people money? Like, where do you have solid case studies that show you can make these people uh, money? right and and really trying to nail down exactly because it it is so easy as a small business to be like oh someone with money we can fulfill their requirement let's 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 grab the money right but it is really about simplification and for us too um you know speaking of earning money for us um qualifying the clients who be allowed to take um a large place on our dance card is another thing that we've really turned towards doing. We've started to use our standard services almost as an as a barrier to entry for anyone who wants a deeper, longer relationship with our firm and to ask ourselves halfway through that, whether we're interested in continuing the relationship with them, because there's always that temptation when a client wants more and more work, more and more services from your firm. That sounds great. Like, let's take it. That's more business. But if that's not a great client, then it can really, really be destructive to morale. And so we're using this uh, standard service offering, which helps many clients get up and started. And for many of them is all that they need. We're also using that as a way to determine whether we would want to stick with this client if they want to stick with us so that we can really screen in on, you know, who we allow to be an ongoing part of our business and hopefully protect the team's energy a little bit that way. And that, and that is really important in business in general, right? Because it's so easy to get a, a handful of clients that aren't great to work with, or even that they might be great clients per se, but they're just what they need isn't the right fit. And therefore you end up having to do a lot of custom work and it doesn't fit in what your the skill sets of your team per se and so on. And it, it's so easy to run around in circles and, and it's always 80, 20, right? Like you end up spending 80% of your time with, people who generate 20% of your income. And like, 
in so many businesses that is the case, right? So, and, and that's why one of the things I, I love about time tracking is actually being able to allocate and see, you know, if you have a business, particularly a service business, like, you know, how much is each client paying and how much time are they getting? Because uh, like I've worked with a couple of SaaS companies in particular that ended up like literally, like they, they had a few clients that were literally, you know, spending three times the amount of money that they were paying. And then the majority of them were, were, were basically spending significantly less, right? So, uh, but again, the, the problem is most of the time people don't look at it. They look at the overview of the big picture, but a lot of the time you can make so much money from actually looking at the detail because it's often in the detail where the devil is hiding. So Absolutely. Well, and for me, it was also in where I would put my own time personally, you know, as a leader of the company, I would sometimes kind of throw myself on the most difficult clients as a sacrifice to protect my team from a client that I thought was too difficult to work with instead of letting go of that relationship. If I'm spending all of my time dealing with a client that's too difficult to work with any member of my team, where is that going? You know, um, but I would do it in hopes that I could, I guess, retrain, um, that I could somehow write the ship, um, instead of just recognizing that, Hey, you know, this isn't the best fit. Let's seek out a client who is, uh, easier for us to serve so that we can serve them more reliably and scalably throughout the team. Like you said, sometimes it's about skills. Sometimes it's about work style or whatever. Um, but, um, when we have a client that doesn't fit the mold, admitting that that might be an opportunity we should stop pursuing is something that I really had to learn. Yeah. And the other, the other key thing with specialization, this is one thing I see a lot is the fact that business generally is about providing value. And here's the thing, if you're trying to master 10 processes or 10 different scenarios, you will be a lot less good at them than if you try and master one. Now, if you try and master one, first of all, the delivery gets cheaper generally because you're so much better at it. Two, you deliver so much better results for the same budget because you know them a lot better. And three, you put yourself in a situation where, as you said, like doing sales and marketing to the audience is so much easier. And again, let's take the example of web designers. Like every human on planet Earth get 10 emails every day with someone saying, hey, I'm a web designer. Can I redesign your website? Right? And so many people who run serious companies do the same thing. Right? Whereas, you know, if you work with dentists and you're like, hey, you know, I have here's 20K studies of dentists that I've helped like triple their income or whatever. Like if you have very, very specific case studies and it, like gaining new clients and targeting a very niche selection of people just becomes so much easier, right? And like I've worked with clients specifically in the web development space and they literally get to a point where not only, you know, they make the UX look great, they, they make the site look great, they also know exactly what works because the second they know, like in the beginning, they're like, oh, I've never heard of a dentist. I don't know what this word means or that word means. But when you get really good at it, first of all, you speak the lingo, but you've also had so much time to actually test and see what's actually working, what's the best setup. And obviously you, you don't want to build 10 websites that look exactly the same, but you know, you have a very good scope of how to do it in a way that bring the customer the most value, right? And for yeah. me, that that single focus process flow is so, so good when it comes to um, really running at, it's not just a lean business, but when it comes to scaling, 
right? Yeah. Because when you're focused on one thing, it makes the customer so easy to say, yep, I want that. Right. Right. Yeah. That's what we've seen as well. And, you know, it, to your point about um, delivering value, I think that um, that's one interesting thing in our space as well. I think as service providers, there are definitely clients who would rather outsource their work. Um, they would rather just you know, have somebody take care of it. Um, and for, for us, what we've identified as our niche is a lot of times we're contracted by uh, clients that have really difficult problems. They're, they're reaching out to us because they're stumped and they're smart, but they can't figure out how to overcome whatever this challenge is. So it's not exactly about outsourcing. It's really more about consulting. And um, it is, it's an engaged client that we're seeking somebody that wants to be involved with the project who wants to share information with us and who wants to kind of see it through, um, after we've been involved with it. Um, so our clients are seeking that out. And I've, I've heard that that is somewhat differentiated for us because I think it can, of course, be easier for, for a firm that wants to, to take care of things without too much involvement from the client and kind of just streamline it and just kind of run with it. But our process makes space for that client to be involved and to provide feedback and kind of going back to what you said about fun and value. I feel like that's where we found for us, the intersection of fun and value um, is in those consulting sessions where we're able to deliver that expertise to the client. And it's so exciting for them to have the light bulbs go off and realize, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I see what you're saying. I've never looked at it that way. Um, and it feels very, very valuable to them. And it's super fun and satisfying for us. Cause a lot of times we're just pulling out the techniques and the tricks that we've picked up on past projects and sharing those aha moments about how users interact with digital products. Um, so for us, I feel lucky that there is a bit of alignment between what's fun and what clients find valuable. And that's that really rich consulting. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. So, excellent. I think that is very, very good, Erin. Anything else in, in terms of this topic that you that you want to bring to people's attention? Or do you think there's anything else we haven't touched on yet that's that's worth talking about? I mean, my big my big regret is simply that we didn't do it sooner, um, that we didn't simplify it sooner, because I thought that offering a standard process was going to turn our clients away. And like you said, um, that custom proposal thing, it's not a value add. Um, it, it sounds like it to somebody who's scared to just say, this is what we offer, um, but it's more of a crutch than anything. So my advice to other entrepreneurs is to get specific, figure out um, how, even if you're in a service business, how you can get to a menu of what you do that you could hand to somebody that they could um, peruse and pick from and uh, design it in such a way that it has their best interest in mind. So you feel good about everything on the menu. You know, they can't make a mistake and see what happens. That'd be my advice. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Erin, thank you very much. If people are eager to get hold of you, what is the best way to do so? Absolutely. So um, our website, slideux.com, offers access to contact us as well as um, access to our weekly newsletter. So every Tuesday morning, we are sending a UX insight, 
inspiration for product leaders, that kind of thing. We've started to incorporate a lot of video in it. Um, it's really fun. So check that out and um, definitely check us out on social as well. We're on all the major platforms and uh, we'd certainly love to share some of what we're experiencing out in the field as user experience practitioners. Awesome. Awesome. Erin, thank you very much for joining me today. It was a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for having me. And to the audience, we will be back again next week. Thank you very much for listening and sticking with us all the way to the end. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.